Chapter 16 It wasn't a long flight in a straight line, but we couldn't fly in a straight line. We'd have been a whole sky full of raptors flying in formation, slightly conspicuous. So we stayed far apart at different altitudes, never seeming to go in the same direction at all. It took a while to reach the beach. It was empty of sunbathers. The sun was weak and watery and heading down. Besides, while people were still at the beach, were gathered around to gape at the spectacle. It lay below us, improbable, out of place, huge. It dwarfed the small army of humans who clustered around it like busy ants around roadkill. The whale looked dead, but I knew it wasn't. Whoever, or whatever, was directing this little play wouldn't allow it to be dead. Eric didn't believe us when we said we couldn't find a way to get to his ship, Jake said. He said, you will, we have faith in you. Wow, and I thought the Chi were so smart, Marco said. I mean, Eric spent time with us. You'd think he'd know better than to trust us. That got a laugh from everyone. The time Eric had spent with us had involved a trip to the planet of the Escort and a deadly confrontation with a creature of infinite power and malice, the monster called Kryak. I think it's inspiring, Cassie said. Well, then, you'll love what else Eric told us, Marco called. Since the Pemelites considered everyone a friend, their ships adapted to accommodate different life forms. You touch one of the interface panels throughout the ship, and your life form is analyzed, and the ship provides you with the correct environments. How do we get in and shut off the signal? I said, heading for a deserted dune far away from the crowd around the whale. Mr. King gave us an access code that will get us into the main computer, Jake said, his tone sardonic. Everybody memorize it. Six. Six? I said. Six, he confirmed. I sighed. You know, I'm sure the Pemelites were wonderful people and all, but using a single-digit security code? I mean, good grief, what a bunch of idiots. They trusted, Cassie said simply. They're dead, I said, just as simply. We landed behind a dune in an area of tall, scruffy grass. Tobias stayed airborne, always on alert. This was going to be a little hairy. If anyone came over that dune and saw us, they'd run screaming all the way to the next county. We were mutants, a group of bulging, stretching, pulsating blobs of feathers and flesh, fingers and wings, stubby little people with beaks and talons, legs and hair. The first thing I noticed when I was fully human again was the smell, the fresh smell of salt and sand. Birds of prey have hearing and sight that is far superior to humans, but they are not into smell or taste. It's occurred to everyone that this is all a trap, right? I said. What? Marco mocked. You suspect treachery? Now, why didn't I think of that? I ignored him. Okay, so look, we don't expose anyone we don't have to here. Jake smiled at me. You volunteering? I shrugged. Rachel's right, Marco said. We go out there altogether? We're exposed. How many of us do we need to morph whale? Jake nodded. A couple, anyway. I'm not sending anyone squid hunting without backup. But you're both right. The less exposure, the better. So we pick two of us to acquire the whale. 
excluding Axe, who can't because he'd have to be in his own body to acquire. And that might cause some slight disruption down on the beach, I said. Two of us will morph into whales and go find a squid, Jake continued. The rest of us will use our dolphin morphs, stay topside as backup. Who gets to be the whales? I interrupted. I'll go. Cassie rolled her eyes. You know, Rachel, you're like the smart kid in class who sits in the front and always raises her hand. I know, I know. Only with you, it's, I'll go, I'll go. I laughed at the image. I guess we'll draw straws, Jake said. He bent down and yanked up some grass and began breaking the stems into pieces. Ah, the human scientific method, Axe said. As usual with Axe, it was hard to tell if this was supposed to be a joke. Jake put his hands behind his back, then held them out in his fist. Pick, short ones are whales. Part of me wanted to hang back. I had bad mental images of the world several miles underwater. But most of me wanted to go, and for the same reason, because it scared me. Tobias landed on a broken piece of wooden fence. I'm in on this, he said. I met his fierce gaze. I looked hard at him, as hard as he looked at me. No, he said in thought speak only I could hear. I narrowed my eyes and pressed my lips tight together. I couldn't thought speak, but Tobias would get the message. Rachel, no, he said. I am not going to help you get yourself killed. Marco drew a straw, a long one. Cassie drew, long straw. I glared at Tobias. Okay, fine, he snapped in angry surrender. The second from your left. I pulled the straw second from the left. Short, I announced, holding it up. My turn, Tobias said. Jake walked over to him and held out his hand. Tobias picked up a straw with his beak. Short, he said, looking hard at me. Rachel and Tobias, Jake said, letting the other straws fall. He looked from Tobias to me, suspicious. I shot Tobias a furious stare. He hated the water. He could never entirely subdue his hawk instincts, instincts that told him water was definitely not his environment. It scared him, but he cheated to pick the short straw for himself. My fault. I'd insisted on going. Tobias wasn't going to let me go down there without him to watch my back. Later, I would be kind of touched by that loyal gesture. But right then, I was just mad. Tobias was risking his own life because I was jerk enough to make him cheat for me. Guilt. I hate guilt. Jake sighed heavily. All right. Rachel, you and Cassie go down to save the whale. Cassie being there will seem normal. Everyone knows she's... A tree-hugging animal nut, Marco interjected. And everyone knows Rachel is Cassie's best friend. It works out. Tobias? In and out, man. Choose your time. Zip in, lock Talon, and bail. The rest of us will stay up here as backup. Axe, morph to Seagull and give us some air cover. Cassie and I started down the dune. Jake grabbed my arm and pulled me aside for a private word. Don't you ever do that again, he said, far angrier than I'd suspected. It's your fault Tobias is going. Remember that the next time you decide to make fools of the rest of us. He let me go and I walked away, a little shaken. Jake doesn't get mad much. 
When he does, it sticks in your mind. Coming, Rach! Cassie called, already down the dune. Oh, yeah. The party couldn't start without me. Chapter 17 Axe merged with the ghouls, screaming and wheeling overhead. Stay away from the front of the bucket brigade, Tobias called down. Chapman's there, and so is Tom. They must be expecting something to happen, Cassie said. Well, they're right, I said. Look, Cassie whispered, going still. I came up behind her and followed her stricken gaze. Felt my stomach drop. The whale was a toppled skyscraper. A huge 18-wheeler. One of the big rigs. A string of railroad cars. A gigantic, tragic, breathing, out-of-place mistake. It didn't belong on land. But it was here, and helpless. Slowly being crushed by its own mass. Oh, no, I said softly as it feebly moved a flipper. All that immense power and it couldn't save itself. I clenched my hands into fists, dug my nails into my palms. I am going to hurt whoever did this, I whispered. I'll help, Cassie said. I forced myself to look closely at the whale, study it, learn it. Its head was a huge, boxy rectangle that ran almost half of its total length. It had a blunt, squarish snout, a narrow, underslung jaw dug into the wet sand and small, dark, glistening eyes. I elbowed my way into a group of bucket-bearers near the water, and someone thrust a bucket into my hands. I emptied it over the whale's wrinkled side. Another bucket, another pitifully small splash of water. The whale's tail was still in the ocean, and every few minutes it thrashed weakly and kicked up sandy waves. Some guy, a biologist who was some kind of whale expert, yelled, Hold up! The bucket line stopped as the man stepped in to draw blood in a large syringe. I glanced quickly at the people next to me. I saw Cassie further down the line. She nodded very slightly. I pressed my hand against the wall of gray flesh. Wet. Warm. Gritty with sand that had been picked up in the water. I felt the calm descend on the whale. I absorbed its DNA into me, feeling presumptuous and small and silly somehow. Then the biologist was done, and we went back to work. Bucket after bucket. Several dozen humans working hard to save one whale. Failing, but trying anyway. Every now and then, I'm actually proud of my species. Prince Jake and Marco must relocate. Some humans have stopped near our previous location, Ax said, his thought-speak voice startling me. I glanced down the beach and spotted Jake and Marco running and kicking at the surf, playing the roles of carefree kids. They turned back toward the dunes. What about Tobias? Had he acquired the whale yet? His was the biggest risk, because he had to do it while in red-tail hawk form. Hawks don't exactly hang out on beaches. I had no answers, so I followed Jake's and Marco's footprints into the hollow, where three identical seagulls were waiting for me. Have you seen Tobias? Marco asked, cocking his head. No, I said, concentrating hard on my own seagull morph. How about Cassie? Is she coming? Jake asked. You know Cassie. You'll have to tell her to stop working down there. Feathers sprouted. 
My nose dissolved and a beak began to push out. I was falling toward the sand, shrinking, as waist-high dune grass suddenly loomed tall above me. I spread my arms slash wings to steady myself. Hello! An empty Lay's barbecue chip bag I hadn't noticed before. And at least two chips! All I had to do was hop on over and... Rachel! Deal! Marco said. Oh, yeah. This was not mealtime. Of course, to the seagull brain, it was always time for trash. Prince Jake, a situation has arisen! Axe called down. Tobias has been spotted, and the controllers are suspicious. We're on our way, Jake said, taking off. We followed him, cresting the dune. Tobias was perched on the whale's back. Chapman stood below him, pointing and staring. Tobias, what are you doing? I demanded. I'm stuck! My talent is caught on some kind of barnacle or something! Diversion! Jake snapped. No! Make it look like we're chasing the hawk away from our territory, Cassie said. Try slamming Tobias. It may knock him loose. Oh, great, Tobias grumped. We flapped hard and took off, not worried about flying together. We were seagulls. We belonged. Besides, we weren't the only gulls wheeling around the whale. Let's wreak some havoc, I said. I gained altitude, thirty or forty feet, and swooped. I snatched a man's pretzel right out of his mouth. We milled and screeched. We stole food and sideswiped people. And we used the seagull's ultimate weapon, precision-guided cruise missile poop. Chapman is mine, Marco said. Ready? Aim? Ha! Sploot. Chapman wasn't looking up. A pity. I broke away from the melee and aimed for Tobias. Which talon? I asked. Oh, man! He groaned. Left! I hit him, chest out, barely breaking. I caught him where his left leg met his own chest. Woomph! The talon tore free. Tobias flapped, skimming along the back of the whale. Zing! A rock shot past. Expertly thrown, it missed Tobias by a feather. I saw Tom stoop to find a second stone in the wash of surf. I saw hatred on his face. Chapter 18 That's just sad, Tobias said. Controllers reduced to throwing rocks. Hey, a couple of you need to chase me. You know, chase me away. We did. Did Chapman and Tom buy the act? Probably not. They'd both seen a red-tailed hawk too many times before. They knew. But what could they do? We followed the beach, out of sight of the whale's various saviors, then turned and headed out to sea. Tobias gained altitude, flapping hard with nothing but dead air to lift him. When he had altitude enough, he began to morph to seagull himself. He did it in midair. We skimmed the gray, choppy waves until we were sure we couldn't be seen from the beach. The light was fading. The sun was going down. The ocean is always intimidating. But when the sun sets and darkness rolls across the waves, you just can't help but be awed and abashed and a little frightened of it. Millions and millions of cubic miles of water. 
twenty miles deep in places, stretching all around the planet, touching every continent, most nations, home to tens of millions of species, everything from the submicroscopic to the immense. You feel small beside a whale, insignificant. Then you realize that a whale is insignificant in the ocean, and then you're flying over the bare fringe of that ocean, flying over a mystery that puny Homo sapiens may never fully understand. And you feel your own smallness, your own utter weakness, and it's like a lead weight on your chest. It's not that the ocean is an enemy; it simply doesn't care. It feeds you. It makes the oxygen you breathe. It gave birth to your species, and if you get careless, it kills you. All without the slightest personal interest. There's nothing you can say to the ocean. No mercy to be begged. No deals to be made. If we were weak or careless or stupid, it would smother us, crush us, bury us forever in miles of black, black water. Rachel, what? I yelped, shaken out of my dark imaginings. I was going to ask how you're doing. Tobias said. Then, after a moment of silence, he said, "Big, isn't it?" Yeah, it's large. Too big for all my bravado. And I was going down into its very heart, like a lunatic. I cheated in order to face it first. Now I was dragging poor Tobias right along with me, and I was supposed to like him. After more than an hour of flying, Jake landed on the swelling, heaving surface of the sea. We'd followed the rough directions of the chi. I landed too, easy enough for the seagull brain, which had no particular concerns. The ocean was frigid, the wet cold held at bay by my fluffed, oily feathers. A dangerous place for a human. Worse for a hawk. Tobias landed beside me, bobbing like a white and black cork on the swells. Okay, we'll demorph and remorph one at a time, Jake said. Cassie first. Tobias last. Within minutes, Cassie had morphed from seagull to human, then onto the sleek, playful dolphin. This made me feel better. Having a helpful dolphin around is like having a couple dozen lifeguards on hand. Come on in, Jake," she called, giddy from the dolphin brain. "The water's fine." She dived and shot up through the air, then twisted and nosed down for a nose splash dive. One by one, we did the same. The passage through human morph was not fun. Seagulls ride the waves. Humans end up swallowing salt water and imagining sharks rising up from the depths. I don't think Axe enjoyed it any more than we did. He can swim, but it's an awkward thing to see. Tobias landed on Cassie's back, demorphed a hawk, then waited for me to catch up, riding Cassie's back with his talons dug sharply into her rubbery gray flesh. Whale time, Tobias said to me. Yeah, I yelled, shredding water and spitting brine. Let's do it. I had a premonition she'd say that, Marco teased. Okay. Here goes nothing. I thought, as Cassie and Marco swam up alongside me, and I summoned a mental picture of the whale. Salt water splashed my face, again and again. I swallowed it, gagged. My bones stretched and grew heavy. 
My feathered arms flapped frantically until fingers sprouted and I could tread water. I was tired. Eyes burning. I glanced over at Tobias. His red-tailed hawk form was already shifting. He slipped from Cassie's back into the water. I closed my eyes and visualized the sperm whale. And felt the changes begin. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, and just off the top, I got some showkeeping notes, uh, which is that either next week or maybe the week after, I'm not super sure on the timeline, but the next two weeks, um, posting might be a little spotty. Uh, I am moving again, which is very cool and exciting, but does make things, uh, can, can make things difficult. Um, I'm not exactly sure, again, at this point, what it's gonna look like, but I will figure it out and either have time to make an episode or won't, and I'll let you know on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but just as a heads up, you know, if one of, one of the next two weeks you don't see an episode, that's why, probably. Um, but in the meantime, got some messages. This first one's through the contact form on my website. That's theapocalypse.com. The apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with the D in the middle. Uh, and it's Eli again, who wrote in last week. And this time Eli just says, uh, sorry for the punctuation on the previous post. I'm excited for this week's episode. I like the chi. You don't gotta apologize for the punctuation. I figured it out. It was all good. Um, it's chill. And, yeah, cool. I mean, I think the cheer are very cool, too. It's a cool idea. Uh, so thank you for writing in again, uh, Eli. Appreciate that. I also have uh, an email from our Gmail. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Uh, and this one's from Doyali. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, who writes in and says, Hi, Daniel. My husband, also a Daniel. And I love, love, love your podcast. Daniel is an Animorph super fan from childhood. And I'm completely new to the series and learning this story for the first time through your amazing podcast. Currently, I'm slash we're in book six. LOL, tonight you ended it by singing happy birthday to yourself. It was so cute. Thank you for all the effort you put into your podcast with the music, voices, and friendly outros. I don't listen to any other podcast. I can't wait to listen to all the other books through your narration and to finally be able to share my husband's love for the series and to be able to talk to him to be able to talk with him about it and discuss and debate things from the bottom of our hearts, not from the bottom of the hospital yerk, bottom of the hospital yerk hot tub pool. That hot tub threw me off. Um, thank you, uh, Doyali and Daniel. Thank you so much. That was such a sweet message. Uh, I really appreciate that, uh, you writing in. Uh, very cool. I always think it's pretty cool when, um, it's someone's first time experiencing Animorphs, and they've chosen uh, to do it this way. That's, I mean, that's a special thing, I think. Um, and yeah, it's very nice. Thank you for writing in. I hope that uh, you and other Daniel continue to enjoy it. And last, but certainly not least, we have a message coming in through Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. And this is, uh, once again, our friend Willis, who says, uh, no silly comment or fab theory slash question this time. But just got off a five-day vacation uh, where they went to D.C. and saw some really cool things. Um, I've heard D.C. is very cool. Uh, I hear they've got, like, a ton of museums there. I mean, the Smithsonian, obviously. Um, 
Oh yeah, I think I think DC is like a cool place to visit. Probably, I think I've been there once when I was like super young. Didn't get to go to any cool museums. Probably why I didn't remember it. Uh, it's a, their thir- third or fourth time going, but DC is so big. There's always something new. I really recommend it. I was just saying, I think DC would be pretty cool to visit. Um, should have finished the message, huh? Uh, but then Willis continues to say, I listened to last week's episode, the first one in this book, the first day back to work, and I was so dead from walking DC and eating whatever I wanted to for five days, I was like a zombie. So Animorphs really got me through that first day back. Thanks for the audio experience. You always do a great job. Willis the Arths. Thank you, my prince. Don't call me prince. Um... Yeah, that's um that that uh eating whatever you want for five days straight. Uh that is how I knew that I was like no longer a young person was uh when I would do that for like three days straight and like so I'm like, oh no. My my body doesn't feel so good right now. Um yeah. Eat eat your veggies, kids. It'll happen to you one day. Um, thank you so much for writing in again, Willis. Thank you, everyone who wrote in. Um, if you'd like to write in, I've actually listed all three ways you can do that. I, uh, you can also reach me on Twitter, which I mentioned earlier but didn't say. That's at Audiomorphs. And that is, again, where you should check if I'm moving this weekend or next weekend. And, uh, I'm not moving. Sorry, I'm not moving this weekend. But this is also, I'm posting this, like, on a Friday. You know what I'm saying? So, like, next weekend or the weekend after is what I meant to say. Um... If I don't post, check there. I'll probably say, hey, guys, moving. Couldn't do it. Um, And uh, so everyone have a great week, and I will see you when I see you. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.